Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, August the 22nd, in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Mark Smith, and we'll be taking a look at the hymn, guess what? Built on the Rock, the Church Shall Stand. by N.F.S. Gruntovic. He died in 1872, and he first wrote it with nine stanzas. He later shortened it to seven. Our hymnal, the LSB, omits two more, reducing the hymn to five stanzas. We're not really sure the background for Grundtvig writing this hymn. But it is true that he came to value and accept a rather traditional view of Christianity. He was also a proponent of education and an advocate for the common people. The occasion, perhaps, for writing this hymn Well, there's a possible reason. Since 1807, the old Cathedral Church of Our Lady in Copenhagen was in ruins, the result of English bombardment of the Danish-Norwegian forces during the Napoleonic Wars. Perhaps this inspired Grundvig to emphasize the concept of living stones rather than the crumbled spires 
of the physical church. He talks about towers that fall and sink into the ground. And the reference is to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, where Jesus says that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And in Matthew 16, Jesus replies, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's Matthew 16, verse 18. And that's an important passage, is it not, for this coming Sunday, Pastor Smith? It sure is. Yeah, that is the uh, the gospel for this Sunday. And it reminds us that uh, the church is built not on personalities, but on Christ. He is the rock. It's not uh, not built on popes. It's not, you know, it's not built on uh, pastors or anything like that. It's built on Christ. And uh, that's the point he was making when Peter made that confession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Why do the Roman Catholics think that Peter is the rock rather than the confession? Well, uh, Jesus gave Simon that name Peter, Petros, which means rock, Yes. And so they jumped to that con- they jumped to that conclu- conclusion that that Peter's the rock upon which the church is built, and uh, they claim that Peter is the first pope. Well, of course, there's there's all sorts of doubt about that, uh, but it's it's the it's the confession, the confession of Christ, that's whereupon the church is built. Christ. What himself. was the confession that Peter made? Uh, well, Jesus had asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Right. And P- Peter Peter came forth with that uh, confession of faith. You are the Christ. The son of and, the living uh, God. Yeah, the son of the living God. And, uh, and uh, Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. You know, my uh, technique in doing sermons is I always read the readings until I find something that contradicts Lutheran theology at first glance. Did you see anything in this text that contradicts Lutheran theology? No. No, well, I can't I think of anything. Read you verse 20. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Would you ever put that statement on the top of your church door? No. <laughs> no, no, I would not. <laughs> yeah, that that is, uh, yeah, that, that, that always, I suppose, brings forth a question in a Bible study. It sure does. Yeah. And that's actually what my sermon is about is that statement and how it can be understood properly from Jesus. But there's another point about Peter not being the rock. 
And I don't know if you had a chance to look at the Old Testament reading from Isaiah 51, did you? No, I have not, Tom. Let me read verse 1, because you'll be familiar with it. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. Now, is that talking about Peter? No, it's talking about Christ. Exactly. So that's how we come to understand that even though Peter's name means rock, the Greek word for the confession that Jesus says upon this rock is different than the name for Peter, namely rock. It's a different Greek word, but both of them mean rock. So that's really important to understand that this hymn by Grundtvig is not talking about Peter. It's talking about Jesus. Would you read the first stanza, please? I sure will. Built on the rock, the church shall stand, even when steeples are falling. Crumbled have spires in every land. Bells still are chiming and calling, calling the young and old to rest. But above all, the souls distressed, longing for rest everlasting. Now, that really gives the purpose of the church. Yes. And what is that purpose? Uh, to, to give people rest. That's what, yes. the, the Sabbath, that's what the Sabbath was all about, really. And uh, it, it, it's to give God's people rest. It, it says, calling the young and the old, but above all, those that are distressed by all the troubles and the cares of life. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what the church is all about. Well, you mentioned the word Sabbath, and that's really very good, because a lot of people think that the Sabbath, originally being Saturday, is the day that we should worship. But the day Saturday was part of the ceremonial law, but the moral law was that there needed to be a time of rest. So it doesn't really matter when you have worship. Like we have worship on Wednesday nights with Advent and Lent, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, sometimes an Easter Saturday, of course, regular Sunday service, and many churches have even Monday services for those who can't make the Sunday service. But the only day that I'm familiar with that they don't have regular services is on Tuesday, although there is a congregation in Fort Wayne that has a worship service every day, including Tuesday. Yeah, uh, the church that I spent 38 years at uh, before I retired, Prince of Peace and Crestwood, they have matins. Uh, every weekday, so, which Even is nice. Even on Tuesday? I think so. Well, you were pastor there, can't you remember? Uh, no, this is the the new pastor that followed me. He's uh, he's 
uh, instigated the matins worship, which is very, very commendable to him and the congregation. Oh, yes. Oh, I did not know that. That's very good. Yeah. And that's really building on the rock. Uh, the church shall stand. So even when church buildings are falling down, and that's why we think Grundvig had written this because of his cathedral that had been bombed in the Napoleonic Wars, that yeah. the rock was still there. The and gates of also, hell shall not prevail against it. Well said. All right, I'll read stanza two. Surely in temples made with hands, God the Most High is not dwelling. High above earth, his temple stands, all earthly temples excelling. Yet he who dwells in heaven above chooses to live with us in love. So it kind of starts off by saying that God the Most High is not dwelling in the churches that we build, that human beings build, but it ends by saying that he who dwells in heaven above chooses to live with us in love. And that living is taking place during a worship service, does it not? Yeah, Tom, don't forget that last line, making our bodies his temple. Um, Chooses to live with us in love, making our bodies his temple. Well, well said, yes, I miss that. Making his bodies our temple. When did that occur? Well, I, you know, I've, I've always, uh, I, it's when the, uh, the temple in, in the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. And, uh, that not only shows how we can, we can come directly. Christ has broken down that wall of sin. We come directly to the father through him. But I would say also, uh, that also, don't you think that indicates that the Holy Spirit uh, now, leaving that temple, now comes to dwell with us, beginning with our baptism? That's the point I want to make, is that it is our baptism that's being talked about here, where he makes our bodies his temple. And that occurs even with infant baptism, does it not? Absolutely right. Yeah, that's something. Something is actually going on there. It's not just a photo op. It's not just a nice little ceremony. The Holy Spirit is entering that little infant and making his body his temple, bringing him to saving faith, making him a child of God, an heir of heaven. And so stanza three continues with that thought, if you will. We are God's house of living stones built for his own habitation. He, through baptismal grace, us owns, heirs of his wondrous salvation. Were we but two, his name to tell, yet he would deign with us to dwell, with all his grace and his favor. So that is kind of a picture from the book of Revelation, 
that we are God's living stones. The foundation of the temple are the 24 tribes, well, the tribes and the apostles, and then the living stones are the Christians. And who is the head of the body? Christ. Exactly. Christ is the head of the body. And that is a promise that Isaiah 51 says that God gave. And he gave that promise to Abraham. In fact, in Isaiah 51, after talking about the rock, it says, look to Abraham, your father, for he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. What does that mean? How does God multiply Abraham? Well, uh, through, through his own Holy Spirit, creating faith in, in our hearts. We're, we are all sons of Abraham. We who believe in Jesus Christ are sons of Abraham by faith. Even though we may not have uh, Hebrew blood flowing through our veins, nevertheless, we're sons of Abraham by, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and the promised Messiah. That's a very important point. I, I began last week's sermon with asking this question. I said, put your hand up if you are an Israelite. And nobody put their hand up. <laughs> but by the end of the sermon, they all would put their hand up. Because the church is the new Israel, as found in Romans chapter 9, in the book of Revelation. And there are two Israels. There are those who, well, they can tie their birth back to Abraham. But that's Israelite of the flesh, in contrast to Israelite of the promise. And what is that promise? that makes all the difference Christ Jesus th yes. th that he's that he's atoned for all of our sins and won eternal life for us and gives exactly. it to us freely by 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 grace through faith you really can't go through this hymn without Jesus being front and center oh yes he's the rock so chapter or I'm sorry stanza three talked about through baptismal grace, he owns us. Continue with verse 4 that says something about that. Okay. Here stands the font before our eyes, telling how God has received us. The altar recalls Christ's sacrifice and what his supper here gives us. Here sound the scriptures that proclaim Christ yesterday, today, the same, and evermore, our Redeemer. Yes. Very, very important that he brings in the two sacraments. Yeah. The one is baptism. The other is the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And the Word. The, the mean, all the, those means of grace. Uh, you got baptism, you got the Lord's Supper, and, you've, and, and then he says, uh, here sound the Scriptures. Yes. Because nothing ever should be said by a pastor 
in a sermon that cannot be backed up by scripture when we're talking about theology. Right. Do you ever get questions from your members about things you've said in the sermon? Oh, yes. Um, I can't recall right offhand, but I'm sure I'm just I'm, I'm just being as honest and open as I can be. I'm sure there have been times when uh, uh, somebody asked me something. You know, my wife will may may ask me something in the car driving home. Or exactly. the other day, the other day, I, I got a call from my sister who listens in on this program, and and uh, she asked me about something that that was said on the program. Excellent. See, that's the purpose of the church, to answer the questions of those who are in need of comfort. That's the whole purpose. So, stanza five, please. Grant then, O God, your will be done, that when the church bells are ringing, many in saving faith may come, where Christ his message is bringing. I know my own, my own know me. You, not the world, my face shall see. My peace I leave with you. Amen. So, people think they're part of the world. What does Jesus mean, therefore, that the world won't see his face? Well... Uh, let's see. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And you, the only people that that hear are those that that have faith in him. And those that don't hear are continued to be part of the world. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And that's the kingdom of Satan. Yeah. And so yeah, let's see. What is that passage that says we're to be in the world, but not of the world? Yes. And Jesus also says, when you're giving thought about the mysteries of the church, uh, look to heaven, not to the earth. Right. In, in other words, there's a big difference. And that helps us to understand why Jesus strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Why did he say that? It has to I, do with the term Christ. Okay. Um, you've caught me a little flat-footed there, Tom. I think, I think uh, the reason, you know, he was not yet ready he uh he didn't want people to jump to the wrong conclusion about him he was not ready to reveal that uh at that mo at that moment at least not to uh not to everybody but his own disciples how did most people think about who the christ was oh many of them thought christ, that christ was going to be a, a military a yes. military political uh, conqueror that was going to come in and and get rid of the the Romans. You see, and that's not the Christ that uh, you know. He wasn't a bread king. He wasn't a military conqueror. Uh, he came to to reign over a cross. You mentioned, I think, a couple of weeks ago, 
a statement of Jesus to Pontius Pilate. Oh yeah, my, my kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. Exactly, said. his kingdom is not of this world, and and therefore, he hasn't come. Remember what happened after he fed five thousand people. What was their opinion of who he was as the Christ? They wanted a bread king. They thought this is great. We don't yes. have to go. We don't have to go. Uh, harvest wheat from the fields or barley. Uh, we can just come to him and he'll give us all the bread and the, and the fish that we need. So they wanted a bread king. So what event really showed him to be the true Christ? I would say the cross, the crucifixion, and the, resur- and the resurrection. Yes, well said. Remember, it wasn't until after that that Thomas said, my Lord and my God. That's right. They believe Jesus to be God. And therefore, that's really the Christ. The word Christ in the Greek is actually the translation for the word Messiah in the Hebrew. And you can go back to the book of Daniel, where God the Father, as the Ancient of Days, sends the Son of Man, who is Jesus, to the world to redeem the world. And that's what he obeys. And that's why he even says to Simon, you know, you haven't figured that out on your own because my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. And many people were looking for, as you said, a judge, and a new king of Israel to give them more food, better housing, good animals, and a wonderful life. So, any other comments you have on the hymn? It's a great hymn, and it's... uh... You know, it's not, it's, I, I'd be interested to know what those, you know, was abbreviated by, as you said, uh, Gruntvig. I'd be interested to know what was in those other verses that he, that he uh, shortened. Yes. Yeah, he does talk a little bit more. In fact, he's a little dismal towards certain pastors. And so that's why they were not put in the hymnal. Thanks so much for helping us with Built on the Rock. Join us tomorrow for a continual study on the Bible. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 930 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. 
We are the messenger of good news worldwide KFUO.